Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, one way that we come to know the heart of God is by studying His Word. And John's going to come in just a second. I want to read the scripture for this morning that he's going to be in. It's from Matthew 28. It says, Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And you know, that's the other way that we come to know the heart of God, is to be with Him, to experience His presence. And so I want to invite you to a little time of reflection, a time where we can get quiet, release the distractions that you might be having going on in your mind and your heart, In Psalm 48, 9, it says, Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. Now that word meditate can have some connotations, so don't get freaked out. To meditate just means to think deeply about something or someone. Meditating on Jesus creates opportunities and space for the Holy Spirit to fill us with his presence. And that's what we want, right? That's why we're here. That's why we're watching this. So let's try this together. I want to invite you, even if it feels a little awkward, please do this with me. Just take on a posture of surrender. My favorite is just to open my palms, close my eyes. For you, it might be to get on your knees. It might be to raise your hands up. It might be to even lay down and close your eyes, but wherever you can connect with the Lord in this moment. I'm going to guide us in just some breathing. Just take a deep breath in. Exhale it out. As you take another deep breath in, imagine breathing in the peace and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as you exhale, exhale out the to-do lists, the worries, any distractions that might be fighting for your attention right now. We're just gonna keep breathing. Let's do that again, just breathe in his love, his wisdom, his joy. And breathe out any anger, disappointments, anxiety. As you sit quietly, take this time to prepare to receive what God might wanna say to you. I'm gonna guide you through just a few statements. As you're thinking about the Holy Spirit, as you're asking him to speak, Let these be a prayer that you say quietly in your mind or your heart, or maybe you want to say them out loud. I know for me, sometimes there's power in speaking something out loud and hearing my own voice say it. It's kind of like it's easier to agree with when I hear that happen. So just keep breathing and let's pray. Jesus, prepare my heart, my mind, my spirit, to hear from you today.
I make every part of my life available to you. Jesus, I give you authority over my life. You promise to be with me always, and I believe that you are here now. Come and speak, Lord. I am listening. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Love that guided meditation. And God is in this place right here, right now. And this morning we're talking about the big idea is, are you ready for this? Authority. The A word, authority. You understand authority, don't you? Authority. Let me give you a couple examples. One, when I was in college, I was a florist deliverer. I needed to get Christmas morning off. I went to my boss. I said, hey, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I can't work on Christmas morning. He said, praise the Lord. You show up on Christmas Day or you're fired. And I was like, oh my goodness. I understood authority in that moment. A boss has authority over his employees. Then, you know, did you know, I actually dated before I got married. And when I was a teenager, I dated this girl. I told her I'd pick her up on Friday night at seven o'clock. I showed up at eight o'clock. An hour late, I show up, I'm grooving, I'm ready for take this girl on a date. Boom, her dad opens the door. I look up at him, I'm like, dude, hi, I'm, I'm here to take your daughter out. He goes, yeah, she's not going out with you tonight. I'm like, ah, he goes, no, she's not going out with you tonight. You just told our family that you think you're more important than she is and you don't respect her. So goodbye and good night. And in that moment, I realized it's true. A dad and a daughter, a dad has authority in the family to protect his family. And then I could tell you another story. Here's another one. Natalie, my wife, she showed up to a hockey game when I was, we were living in Mexico City and we were not married at the time. And she came to a game, I played hockey. And her first time she ever saw me play hockey, she would tell the story. All of a sudden this guy elbowed me and we threw our gloves down on the ice and got into a scrap. And you know what happens in hockey? That's five minutes for fighting and you go to what's called the penalty box. You guys understand the penalty box. There are rules, right? The referee, the guy in the black and white uh, jersey, he has the authority to enforce the rules, to, right? You get what I'm saying? And so the word authority stands for power. It stands for rule, control, influence. When someone has authority, it means that they are in power over others. And of course, it can be abused. We're well aware of that, of course. But authority at its best, it has the greater good in mind for all people, the greater good, the greater interest in mind for everybody. So I'm going to just stop just for a moment and have you think about this, because all of us right now are playing by or living by somebody's rules, following somebody's influence. So my question is, who or what 
is your ultimate authority? Who or what is your ultimate authority? Who do you answer to? How do you decide what is right or wrong? Is it your political ideology? Is it a college professor's opinion? Is it a celebrity that you really like who came out and, and said this is the way we're supposed to live right now? Who or what is your ultimate authority? Who do you answer to about how to live your life? You know, back in the Old Testament in Judges chapter 17, it was in those days when Israel had no king. And in verse 6 it says, All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Just imagine that. Everyone just did what seemed right in their own eyes. How'd that work out? Well, it was a world of selfishness and greed and violence. It was a world that was broken. It was a world that wasn't working. And I would say, as you look at our world today, I'm saying it's broken. It's not working. And that's why we're calling upon the people of God to submit to the authority of God and to walk in His ways. Because his ways work. Jesus is the one who has authority that surpasses all other authorities. His ways work. The way of humility. The way of love. The way of forgiveness. The way of generosity. Those things prevail. Those virtues those godly fruits of the Spirit, they prevail over arrogance, a world of selfishness and bitterness and violence. And so I want us to lock in right now. We're in this brand new series. We're calling it COVID Clarity. I love the title. My wife gave it to me. But it's getting really clear during this season of COVID about what's really important for the follower of Jesus. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, it's known as the Great Commission. It's the holy marching orders for the church, for the person who says, I'm a follower of Jesus. And you heard it read in the meditation, but listen to Matthew 28, verse 18. It says, Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. All authority all authority. Jesus is saying, I have been given all authority. Does that blow your mind? All authority in heaven and on earth. Well, because of that, if that's true, the next word is, therefore, and now he's going to give us the holy marching orders, but that's for the weeks to follow. Today, we're just going to lock into, does Jesus have the ultimate authority in my life, in your life, in your life, in your life? And I want to just build this argument because, you know, back in Jesus' day, the religious leaders, the teachers, the priests, Mark 11, chapter, or Mark chapter 11, verse 27, 20, talks about the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and the elders. They came to Jesus, and this is what they said. They demanded, by what authority, by what authority are you doing all these things? Who gave you? the right to do them. They're questioning his authority. And so that's what we're going to look at. Why, why would we say that Jesus has all authority? 
Four quick reasons. Number one, he's the creator of the world. Jesus created the world. For, or the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. These are verses you want to just take a color pencil and underline them. It's talking about Jesus. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And listen to this. Nothing was created except through him. Nothing was created except through him. The word gave life. Jesus is the word. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. His life brought and brings life to everyone. If we'll open our heart and life to him, he will breathe and bring life to you. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, For through him, talking about Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Everything was created through him and for him. You were created. You were created by God and for God to be in relationship with him. He is behind all of creation. So that's number one. The Bible testifies and bears witness that he's the creator of the world. Number two is he's the sustainer of the world. You just follow that passage in Colossians 1, verse 17. Paul, the apostle, says, he writes, He, talking about Jesus, existed before anything else. He existed before anything else. And he holds all creation together. I don't know about you, that blows my mind. Jesus Christ holds the universe. He holds all creation together. Are you kidding me? In all the vastness of the universe, I want you to hear this. God placed the earth in just the right spot for life. It's called the habitable zone. The habitable zone. Not too close to the sun, or we would all burn to a crisp, and not too far away from the sun, that we would all turn into one giant ice cube. The habitable zone is God placed the earth within the universe and the cosmos in just the right spot that life could exist, that we could exist. He's the sustainer of the world. He's the creator of the world. Number three is he's the restorer of the world. He is going to restore all things to a place of healing and wholeness and perfection. Jesus gave signs. That's what they're called in the Gospel of John. Signs of his kingdom on earth when he restored the sight of a blind man, uh, when he forgave sins, when he raised Lazarus from the dead. It all were, they were all signs pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, to Jesus as the one with all authority. And then you look at Matthew's gospel. The authority of Jesus is demonstrated. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy about what the Messiah would look like and, and, and what he would do and how he would come and how he would die. And also in Matthew's gospel, we read that he had the power over nature and sickness, the demonic and over death. He is the restorer of all things. And then here's the fourth. He's the redeemer. 
He's the redeemer of the world. So he's creator, sustainer, restorer, and redeemer of the world. Now, why would I say that? Just look at the cross. The Christian faith is all centered on the cross of Jesus Christ. That was his coronation, if you will. It was his finest hour. His submission to hang and die on a Roman cross resulted in victory over sin, over death, over the devil, And his resurrection is the guarantee of that victory, that that victory over death, over sin, over the devil, it's been accomplished. He is the redeemer of the world. Ephesians 1.7, we don't have it on the screen, but it says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. That word redeemer, redemption, there it is. How do we have redemption in him? Through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. And so it's really important, I think, that we understand that Jesus was never powerless when he hung on a cross. He was in control of that entire situation because he's the redeemer of the world. He's the restorer, the sustainer, the creator. He is the ultimate authority. He's in control. He has all power. And so I'm going to just push again, pause, because Ray Ortland Jr., I read a quote from him uh, that I want to share with you. And uh, I'm going to start it with my own words, but then it's going to transition into his quote. And here's what I want to say. Most of us as Jesus followers, we want to grow. Most people that I know that we go, I'm a Christian, we would say, I want to grow. I want to get better. I want to be blessed. And so what do we do? We want to go to church. We want to have a quiet time. We believe the right doctrine. Maybe we give a few bucks to missions. And then we want to have access to Jesus when we need help, right? That's kind of characterizes a lot of the American church. And here's what Ray Ortland Jr. says. He says, rather than call him Jesus Lord, maybe we should call him Jesus Jr. Who is Jesus Jr.? Jesus Jr. is a sanitized version of the real Jesus. Jesus Jr. doesn't surprise us, astonish us, or amaze us. Jesus Jr. does not stretch us, transform us, or challenge our thinking. Jesus Jr. is safe, comfortable, manageable. Jesus Jr. never disagrees with us. That might feel like, ooh, like I'm pushing right now. We as a staff long to have you experience Jesus Christ and submit and surrender to his authority, his ways, his life. They work. But some of us get so entrenched in, I'm going to add Jesus Jr. to my life. I just want him to bless me. And rather than, I'm going to surrender and let him change the way I live my life. Let him change the way I think. Let him change the choices, the decisions about money, about relationships, about marriage, about politics. Dallas Willard, scholar, author, writer, we quote him a lot. He asks this question. When was the last time Jesus changed your mind about anything? I would love for you, everybody right now, pull out a pen and write down your answer to that question. Don't let this moment pass. 
wherever you are, except if you're driving in your car right now, um, I want you to write your answer to that. Has Jesus Christ changed your mind about anything? And then I want you to share that with a friend, a family member. Tim Keller, he writes this, If your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. I'm going to read that again. If your God, your God, Jesus, if your God, he never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. Wow. That is, I don't know about you, that's convicting. That is so convicting to me. And so we come to the end of this message, and I want to say, when it comes to Jesus, it's time for a little COVID clarity. Is he the Lord, the authority in your life? Does he have all authority? He's the creator, the sustainer, the restorer, and the redeemer. He's worthy. And if it's not Jesus, then who does? If it's not Jesus that you're surrendering to and following, if it's not Jesus that you're allowing to influence your politics, your family life, your money, all of that stuff, your time, then who is? Who is and who has the loudest voice in your life and the way you think about life and the way you live your life? So we're going to stop. And I'm going to ask you a COVID clarity question. And this is for you to reflect on, to talk about in the next few minutes. What is holding you back? What is holding you back from embracing the authority of Jesus in your life? And moving beyond believing in him. Oh, I believe he died on the cross and rose again. He died for my sins, but I'm, I'm not changing in any way. I'm not becoming a more loving person. You know, what's holding you back from embracing the authority of Jesus in your life and moving beyond believing in him to actually following him wholeheartedly? Man, what a great conversation we all get to have right now. I want you to pause now, reflect on that, and then talk to somebody about it. Thanks for listening this morning. Let's pray. Have your way in us in this moment, dear Lord. Spirit of God, show us clearly. Give us eyes that see. You came to give sight to the blind. Would you lift the fog and the veil right here, right now for us and help us to see Jesus in all his glory with the one who has ultimate authority. And then I pray that you give us the courage, give us the courage to follow him wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly in Jesus' name. Amen. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.